0: This is an interview I did in 2010 at the Starwood Festival number 30 with Douglas St. Clair Smith III, also known as the Reverend Ivan Stang of the Church of the Subgenius. This is part of my research for my media art and text dissertation at Virginia Commonwealth University. Rhetorical Ripples, The Church of the Subgenius, Kenneth Burke, and Comic Symbolic Tinkering. Dissertation number four six seven eight completed twenty fourteen. If you haven't yet tuned in to the hour of Slack, I highly recommend it. It's a uh, refreshing, bizarre, and uh, inspiring spontaneous generation of creative nonsense and often insight. Check it out at subgenius.com.
1: That's great. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. So, how um, how long has the Hour of Slack been on the air?
2: Um, we started the <clears throat> the Hour of Slack started in Dallas in October of uh, 1995. Okay. So it's been 25 years. Wow! Wow! I think I'd get a life.
1: <laughs> how many about how many stations? Uh, right.
2: Well, um, right now I think uh, there's mailing them to seven broadcast stations and then there's a whole lot of those the ones who pay for the the version with the with the cuss words okay (laughs) then there's the free version on the internet and that's getting replayed in you know all kinds of little pirate stations and Uh podcasts and stuff like that and we never you know we're not even told half the time right right but uh, if they I guess they have to cut the
1: Themselves. Right, yeah, you have to watch that kind of stuff. But you started sort of back in the 70s more with video, or I know you uh, Let me back up a little bit here. I know this is going to sound like I'm being a fawning toady, but I'm not. Oh, that's okay. I, you know, the more I read and study and listen to subgenius stuff, I know you're having fun with it, but there's a lot of really brilliant stuff going on that I think has been pioneering and things now. So, for example, the whole idea of the mashup. Well, you've been doing that, you know, and yeah, of course, I'm not kidding. the Dadaists were doing it
2: too, right? Well, actually, the first time I saw what, what I, we called a media barrage-type collage, mm-hmm. I think, was in the movie Head with the monkeys. Okay, And good. Uh, Bob Rafelson directed that, and there were these few little bits where suddenly there'd be uh, strips of dialogue from old movies. Uh-huh. Like Bella Lugosi saying something like, uh, I gave her a powerful narcotic. I just saw the movie that that came from the first time last week. Oh, that's great! That's where that came from. Uh, But uh, and there was a movie called The Projectionist that a comedian named Chuck McCann did. That was like, it looks like a rise, you know. So it's like we're not the first people to do that. I'm sure that there were guys doing it in silent movie days. Right? Yeah. So to get audio. But.
1: well, you also were sort of a forerunner. Um, I was just listening to the uh, one of the media barrages. It's a Shut Up, Pink Boy, which I don't know if they're all officially titled, but you had a copyright statement, and so it's copyright reserved by the subgenius, and the participants.
2: Yeah, that didn't doesn't really make any sense. No, it
1: doesn't. It, but it, 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 we meant well. <laughs> well. it hit me is kind of like a copy left type of thing where, you know, have you ever heard of copy left yeah, or yeah, creative sure. commons? So almost like, again, a forerunner of the creative commons, even if it was only an idea. It's like, well, if you're participating in this project, then, you know, we you're part of that. Thank
2: God none of those people expected royalties. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. There really weren't any to speak uh. <laughs>
1: No, I know. I'm sure you're not making a fortune on this. Um, and the other thing that I thought was interesting is so in academia, of course, you have to bring in sort of big names. And um, in rhetoric, there's this guy named Kenneth Burke. And he begins this whole book by really kind of doing something you do in some of your devivals like you did the other night. And just bringing a brief note of sort of the dangerous situation we're in. Without sort of pretending it's not there, you're like, okay, that's out there, you know, and there's a connection to it, but you're not like preachy about it. And so that's really made it powerful. So he talks about, um, the comic frame of reference open up opens up a new field for social criticism. Uh, since the overly materialistic coordinates of the polemical debunking frame have unintentionally blinded us to the full operation of alienation. So when people are sort of ranting about things, and I, I tend to rant, I need to learn your tactic of like finding funny ways to sort of make a point, that just turns people away. But comedy can really be very powerful that way. Uh, I don't know, if did you ever think about that consciously, or that's just... Uh...
2: No, uh, we just try to avoid what's corny. It's as simple as that. Corny really turns the stomach of the sub-genius. And there's plenty of corny out there, you know. So, uh that's what we're trying to avoid I
1: and guess. you never take yourself too seriously so there's always sort of a self-reflexive aspect of it, you're both uh, making fun of yourself and, and, and the church and,
2: and yeah. if we could keep a straight face we'd be as rich as the Scientologists <laughs> we have <laughs> right. as many brain dead followers too <laughs> seriously, you know uh, there, there's i really am spending about half my time trying to make sure that people understand that this really is not a cult that's going to help you you know this is f- going it might as we say we'll, we won't solve your problems it might help you to blow them off, which often is is the main thing you have to do first in order to get going to solving
1: them. okay of. right yeah so that's a good interesting
2: but, but uh yeah, I I started one reason I started doing that subgenius history course was because I wanted to have solid locked down evidence that no this isn't channeled material. It's not coming from a supernatural source. It's a bunch of guys getting high and just spouting a bunch of crap into a tape recorder and if something good comes out then that might make it into print or okay. on the air. But um, So play first. I've been Horrified at the number of people who desperately want to believe that they really are better than everybody else because they're weird and everybody hates them. That means they're weird and better. Right. It's like, no, dude, that is the mindset we're making fun of. And the ones that figure that out a little too late, they're, they're the, the, the ones that stalk us. It's oh, no. like years and years of it. There's there's guys out there on the internet who have been trying to expose uh, me as this Jewish banker industrialist Illuminati. evil guy who you know parties with Cheney and Bush and the and the Grateful Dead. Oh, right. oh, it's all mixed together. You know? It's all uh, all of it is to lead people away from the truth. And I haven't figured out what they never tell you what the truth is.
1: Yeah, yeah, what do they think? Sometimes it's bad?
2: Jesus, but even you can tell they're not serious about that. They just hate the subgenius. And I think it's because at one point they it was rammed into their faces oh, no, no, they're making fun of you, dude. Right, right. You know, but <laughs> we don't, we rarely have to explain that, but the ones who you have to explain it to they don't it, like <laughs> the <yeah>. news. They, <laughs> they really don't, don't like that news. And I, I've gotten, oh, this every week there's somebody explaining to me that I don't understand the Church of the Subgenius, and they're going to show us how to do it right. And you never hear <laughs> from them again. Right. Uh, or they will, like, say that same statement for hours a day on the Internet. You know, we have people, if you ever look at alt.slack, uh, there's these active people who literally spend all their free time trying to flood the news group they don't know how to build a robot to wow. do it so they, they just do it by posting nonsense all day long or as long as they're they can get on a computer you know <laughs> right right uh we had to form a separate news group that was kook free really invitation wow only.
1: interesting that's yeah, an uh, that's a sort of a spooky level of uh, devotion to whatever they're trying to do right
2: <laughs> yeah it is spooky
1: Another thing that strikes me is, uh, I don't know, lack of ego or sort of uh, just poking fun at everything. Like, I love it, and I remember you did this in in past revivals, going through the list of, you know, presenters here and and reading sort of these pompous paragraphs. It's so great to hear that, because I read that stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I can't be the only one that sees this, you know?
2: (laughs) Well, I noticed when I mentioned that, I didn't even have to get specific, I just mentioned the, you know, the... Humility of the bios writers, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, I could hear people in the crowd going, "Yeah, no shit." <laughs> right, right.
1: Uh, that's really been a cool thing. Do you um? W- would you identify yourself as an artist, or like, how do you, if if do you, you identify yourself at all?
2: Oh, an art bum, yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. My my friend Dr. Hal, can sort of coined that term, art bum. And we, I mean, obviously. I worked my ass off on yeah. this stuff, yeah. and I actually have made a living at it. Not, you know, it would if I wasn't married and we weren't sharing the, the mortgage, I'd have to live in a crappy little apartment. <laughs> okay, and I did between marriages. Uh-huh. Uh, right. But um, but uh, since uh, the nineties, I've been we've been selling enough ordainments and arise copies to to uh, well, we actually had a had a small staff. Uh, in the in the late 90s and early 2000s really? wow. but wow. then that problem with the Bevlock was happened uh, the the child custody case oh, right. uh-huh. and that uh, um, that kind of completely wrecked the, the his attempts to help partner this thing and so I kind of had to take it all over but now that I'm doing all the work uh, I don't have to take on any extra jobs, I'm actually, you know, keeping more of the money, I'm not paying any, uh, we we pay, uh, like I pay Lonesome Cowboy Dave every Uh. now and then, and and, uh, the the cafe press artwork is done by other people, and Uh I'll send them royalties and stuff. At X Day, the, the bands at least get gas money.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, that's so fair. That's we not. used
2: to just charge them flat out. You know, oh, really? The original concept behind X-Day was, let's do something where we can't lose. They pay the campground to, to camp. They pay us 30 bucks just because it's X-Day, and they all get together and meet each other. But we don't promise them anything, and bands would actually pay to come and play. <laughs> uh,
1: well, that's a reasonable
2: fee, though. Yeah, yeah.
1: Was the uh, that custody thing was that related to accusations accusation of Satanism? That whole thing. Is yeah, yeah. It was, okay. a, it
2: was. It was all right. Um, the The judge in the case had not been concerned about Church of the Subgenius. He understood it was a joke. I can't believe it took the biological father this long, but he finally found pictures on the internet that looked pretty uh, questionable, you uh-huh. know. Like, now, the kid was never taken to any right, of these events, right. but Jesus and his wife would do all kinds of goofy shit, you know. I mean, for <laughs> one thing, he'd dress up as Jesus. Oh, man. And, so, and she would, uh, at one point, I think he body-painted her, and she was nude on stage in front of everybody. Right, wow. And I think... The fact that she was so pretty, and those pictures turned that nasty old judge on. He just—he <laughs> got furious. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then it turned into, uh, you know, that whole nasty thing where they—they're—they're they're exposing this child to bad stuff. Right, well, right. How bad is it to begin with? Right. And, and oh, on top of that, the kid—the the biological father was an unemployed. Uh, schizo with a with a jail history, you know, and, <laughs> oh uh, no, right. with, and and Jesus and Magdalene were both college graduates who were holding down two jobs, you know. Wow. Uh, so it, it was a really awful, but in the end, she would have lost because uh, of the redneckery of this these New York family courts. You know, right. you don't have to know anything to be a family court judge.
1: Right.
2: You don't have to be a lawyer or anything. Um, but the the biological father screwed up so bad that now it's a moot point. Right, interesting. Wow. And the kids, perhaps, almost grown anyway. <laughs> an interesting story. Right, right.
1: What? Um, I, I know you don't have the official church statistics, but do you have an estimate of how many people do you think participate, or
2: book sales, or? Well, yeah, um, we've sold. Uh, Simon and Schuster has sold a uh, hundred thousand copies of our books in Damn. general, mostly book the subgenius, roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, subsite uh, get has gotten from oh, f- uh, say eight thousand visitors a day, all the way up to like twenty seven or twenty eight thousand visitors. I have. Screenshots and stats uh-huh. of you know proof right. that we've we've had. A, it's been a pretty busy website for one that doesn't really, advert. We don't really advertise. you yeah, know. We don't right. pay for. Advertising. I've never seen a genius ad or a billboard. That because cause the whole thing <laughs> is an ad. You know, it's an ad for itself. Uh, <laughs> and the, the radio show helps. I mean, I let a lot of stations have it pretty much for free, just uh-huh. be, and that, that's where a lot of our interest comes from. It's like Atlanta and. Uh, Connecticut, of all places! Wow, interesting. Huh. And Cleveland. Cleveland has been playing hour of slack since the late '80s. Wow. First, it was at Case Western uh, station, and now it's at the uh, Cleveland station. Yeah, I
1: think that'd be your best it's community and college radio stations. More yeah, like there's radio. a lot
2: of those. There's one in North Carolina, uh, Greensboro, that, yeah. that runs it. Yeah. And, uh, um,
1: yeah, I'm really... That's Madison,
2: Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. In Madison, uh, but even before The Onion was published, the hour of slack was there. <laughs> when <laughs> there The Onion started being published, they sent me... They just started sending those to me for free, and they still do. That's right. And correct. I used to read their articles on the air. It's like I was doing them a favor. Nobody mm-hmm. knew sure. who they were. <laughs> Now of course it's the other they, way right? around. I'm yeah, sitting funny. There going, God Wait damn a minute! It. <laughs> they, they, they interviewed uh, Joan Rivers last week. How come they haven't interviewed me? Yet? <laughs> right? And they're just like, ah, that's so interesting. You're ahead wow.
1: of the onion. <laughs> right? Well, you were. So that that I, I was think about groups like Billionaires for Bush or the Yes Men. You know, who are using com- comedy, and comedic stunts to, you know, they're not as much. Uh, I would say if there's one thing the church is uh, is devoted to, it's that undermining the ego kind of thing. But that's not always out front. Uh, but there are sometimes c- political commentary or whatnot. And now there's more of that, more sort of use of comedy for a political kind
2: of... Well, that, that's always been around. I mean, Punch and Judy in the old days had political overtones. Nursery rhymes had, were political commentaries. Right, right. Because you know? they'd hang you if you said it right out front. <laughs> there was a group called Ladies Against Women uh, in the 80s that during the Reagan administration, and we found ourselves... Running into them a lot. Ladies yeah.
1: against women. Yeah, ladies
2: against. They had a bake sale for the deficit, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. But they, they were brave, man. In 1984, the Republican National Convention was in Dallas, and uh, there was like a Yippies rock against Reagan thing, and we were about the only Dallas group that, besides, brave combo that would show up really? and we're not overtly you know we try actually not to be overtly political because yeah. it's a comedy thing and it's, and it's a religion thing and, and politics is like religion you know it's insane it's you know you can't change somebody's mind if they're a hardcore liberal or hardcore conservative you're not going to change them just like you're not going to change somebody's religion so uh, personally I'm just a, a mealing mouth li- liberal middle of the road person mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what what is now called a socialist left I consider <laughs> leftard. myself a middle-of-the-road. <laughs> Most of the real socialist left-tards, libtards, would would say I was just, you know, an old square. Right,
1: right, right. Yeah, libtard. That was the first time I'd heard that. I've been,
2: oh, boy, you haven't been listening to the AM radio <laughs> no, while yeah, I reading need Yahoo it. comments, <laughs> man. That's a, Demon crap <coughs> is another one. Wow! Wow! Demon crap, yeah. libtards. All you can do is make fun and say hate stuff. <laughs> You're right. <huh? laughs> well, we can do that too. That's correct. But aren't you supposed to follow this up with something? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Read read a
2: little bit more there. Um,
1: and when we had email correspondence, I asked you about influences. Um, any uh, anything come to mind in terms of whether artistic or? Warner
2: Brothers these? cartoons. And the three Stooges yeah, and the Popeye. <laughs>
1: and, yeah, absolutely. I, I've, every morning I watched this. And
2: my parents were very sarcastic people. Really.
1: I my dad
2: so. still is. Uh huh. My mom shut up like hell. <laughs> but my, but my my dad actually is uh, quite a sarcastic fellow. If you ever met him, you'd go. I get it. <laughs> right, right, right. Take me a second. <laughs> he was. He's a, a retired lawyer. Yeah, and, interesting. Uh, um. He, he forced us to speak in complete sentences when he was around. So
1: that had an em- emphasis on language and attention yeah, to language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting.
2: Right, right. T- trick. It's like you can say something to somebody, but what you leave out is the real message. And that way you can put all kinds of people down and they never have a clue. Everybody right. else standing around <laughs> kind of goes, oh, I like the way you did that. <laughs> It's mean. It's really mean. My dad taught me how to be mean.
1: <laughs> do, uh, the church does a lot of neologism. That's a fancy word for inventing new words. You invent new words all the time.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, we, Philo Drummond and I put together a whole lot of those in the very early days. Uh-huh. And, uh, and people still do. Uh, Reverend Onan Cannabite has become a real big part of the... Uh, you might call the permanent stuff. Uh-huh. stuff. He's, he'll he'll come up with a gag or a whole paragraph and send it to me. He was like, you might want to use this in a sermon. Well, after a year, my whole sermon is like 90% owning <laughs> stuff. Plus, stuff I write on... You know, it's like if I hear something good, I'll, I'll whip out... I always have a little brain uh-huh. with me. Oh, this has Waking Dreams address on it.
1: And just take some notes there. Uh...
2: Yeah, yeah, the, and... Uh, Rather be m- miserable with you than happy with anyone else. That's. <laughs> I guess I was going to say that to my wife. <laughs> I didn't say that one. Well, I haven't used that one yet.
1: So some of the devivals are composed, or at least sketched out ahead of time, but then. It's just oh yeah, yeah.
2: Actually, the thing I did yesterday, I, uh, I didn't have it all written up, but I spent all day yesterday organizing stuff and mm-hmm. making little notes. Okay. You know, in the book, and I had a stack of. Oh, you know, one liners and, and concepts and stuff. And a lot of that came from my friend O'Man and mm-hmm. others of it. Like uh, when Lonesome Cowboy Dave and I do live shows on the Hour of Slack and Princess We, we'll often come up with stuff right then and there. Okay. And then when I'm playing and editing it, uh, I make a log, a rough log, and occasionally I'll hear something bubble up in there that. None of us remember saying, but there it is, and it's a good line. Oh, a gem, you know? yeah, I think that's where oil cano came from. <laughs> right. But think how many people are contributing, you know, have been contributing since, since like, 1980. Mm-hmm. We printed that first pamphlet in, in uh, 19, January 1980. It's easy to date. And sent it around um, to publishers and mostly got rejections. But the first publisher we sent it to was... Uh, the underground comic books, Ripoff Press, Last Gasp, Kitchen Sink, and a couple of others. And most of them are gone now. And they all looked at it and went, why do these kooks send us this stuff and throw it in the trash? But in every case, the artists rooting in the trash, probably for food, Wow, <laughs> "Wow, look at this, they hate Jesus more than I do. <laughs> Which right. actually is not the case. But right. Paul Mavridis uh, found... Founded at, at Ripoff and Jay Kenny founded at last gasp, but they were partners and they they both showed it to their friend puzzling evidence Who was just a crazy artist and suddenly there was like uh, these these three or four? California geniuses, who were really I mean the Mavridis is one of the top artists although he's not he's Not all that well-known right now. He's mm-hmm. You know, done tons of great work. And, and then Hal Robbins, of course. Hal got involved a, a year or two later, but Hal's a mainstay. So now, you asked when, when our Slack started. It started in 85. But in 1982, I went to San Francisco to work on the first book with those guys, and we crashed a radio show uh, that was on KPFA A guy named Mobius Rex did. Wellman, uh, Puzzling Evidence, and uh, Mavridis and me all went down there. And and then we came back the next week. And then I left, went back to Dallas to work on the book. But Puzzling Evidence and Mavridis never stopped going back. And they took over that show. And it gradually mutated. uh, Then Gary Gerbog friend joined it. And he's a really, really funny guy. So there was like a whole crew of people doing that show from 1982. And some of them have kind of come and gone. Um, But Dr. now And then Philo Drummond Mm -hmm. left Dallas and and eventually ended up in San Francisco. So he's a big part of that show. And Pope Meyer, is he... Pope David Meyer has kind of lost interest or grew up or got a life or something. We don't hear much from him anymore. So some
1: people will sort of uh, have their character for a while and then drop it and other people just stay participating. Right,
2: yeah. There's been a certain amount of turnover. Some people have been... Solidly in the midst of it the whole run, and that would be me puzzling evidence. Although he's pretty sarcastic about it, Doctor Hal Philo. Um, there, there, uh, oh, and Onan Canabite, who's like the younger. He's yeah. I think of him as this young kid. He's actually in his forties, but
1: uh-huh. I mean,
2: he was sixteen when he joined.
1: Wow! Wow! <laughs> So what motivates, I mean, for you, obviously, it's partly to make a living, but what do you think motivates you otherwise, and these other people Well, too? I, I am
2: an artist, and in in to the extent that, uh, I, what I really am is a monster fan. I was always a monster fan, and uh, so still a monster fan, man. and, uh, and the, uh, the underground comics, and also Firesign Theater, those things mm-hmm. were like science fiction, but real but different you know they had that weird hippie biting edge to it now normally hippie stuff isn't very biting but this was hippie stuff but it was had this this cutting edge to it and I really my honestly there was a long stretch when I thought gosh if I could be like those underground cartoonist guys that would just be amazing or fire sign theater shit by the time I was like 28 I was friends with all those guys. They were patting us on wow. the back and going, oh, I love this Bob stuff. Can I reprint it? You know, our Crumb reprinted our stuff.
1: Uh-huh. Really? And, wow. Yeah, uh-huh. his
2: first issue of Weirdo Magazine had a reprint of the pamphlet in it. And of course, that instantly all went to my head, and it took me about 10 years to <laughs> uh, get the wind knocked out of my sails again. Mark Twain, uh, or somebody, pointed out that there's a satir- satire which makes fun of other people. But a, a lot of satirists, as they get older, some of them, if they're lucky to live long enough, they become humorous, where they're really more making fun of themselves. You know, it's like, you, you kind of realize your high horse isn't really any higher than anybody else's. and <laughs> You'll hit them in a funnier way if you, if you take a more personal approach and let yourself and your fake religion be the brunt You know, be the the punching bag. And you can do all the punching you want that way, and you don't look mean. Uh, Because we spent a lot of years being mean. And and, uh, I didn't have slack. (laughs) I I really didn't have slack for a long time. (laughs) But partly because of the the move up north and and getting married to Princess Wee and living in a decent place. Now I do have slack. And you notice I don't do all that much hating. I have to <laughs> right. fake my hate. <laughs> right. Try to become a better actor. So but but a- luckily there's lots of young younguns coming out. <laughs> there was some wallpaper peeling ranting at, at uh, X Day.
1: Really? Oh wow.
2: Yeah. Um, and and we got good recordings of it. See, that's my idea of a good X Day. If you're not gonna get on the saucers at the end of it, at least you if you can come home with some really kick ass recordings. And we did, we had, I got, I think, I haven't listened back to much, so I know that it's recorded okay. And if I recall, the content was really wonderful. That was A, a interesting. new guy named Crazy, Reverend Crazy Jim Jones, who sometimes is at Starwood, but he's That's not here That's great. <laughs> he was great. You'll hear him on ours. So
1: what's the eschatology? Because the, the X day was supposed to be the end, right? The end of the world. So I haven't, maybe I haven't been reading enough, but is there... Are you just people still waiting for or what's the new? What's well, the, new, we end time the story? new
2: excuse. Well, there's every you know we in in, X Day ninety eight conspiracy year ninety eight. We had to come up with zillions of excuses. The official one was when we, it was something my son pointed out that if the numbers one nine nine eight form a different number turned upside down, and. Uh, So that was part of the fun is we have a million excuses for why the world didn't end. But the main thing is we're not going to let any other end of the world nuts out kook us. (laughs) We're going to be there. I've been there at 7 o'clock in the morning. This is my 15th time. The first two we knew were drills, right. but now I have actually been there 15 goddamn times wow. waiting for the saucers wow. at Brushwood <laughs> at 7 in the morning. <laughs> and there's uh, one other person who's been there every time, Dr. Dark. And Susie the Floozy and uh, Reverend Modemack only missed one each, I think.
1: So is next day like a three or four day celebration kind of thing, or is it a whole week? Or
2: It's like five. It depends on when the fifth lands. Like, this time it landed on a Monday, uh, and most people had that for a holiday, so they hung around. The world didn't end, but they hung around and had big potluck, and, you know, we took the equipment down, but Uh they still partied. But we started, um, it's like people start arriving Wednesday usually, Uh and they just kind of get set up. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we have um, open mics and kind of live radio thing, All kinds of gimmicky content. There's like a, a, a costume ball. The theme this year was the horror. Other themes have been like superheroes mm-hmm. or you know, that kind of thing.
1: Nice, nice.
2: And um, we have a Bobby Awards where we hand out these nice little awards to everybody who's helped or who fucked up really the Bobby
1: bad.
2: <laughs> the, the, it's, it's not that the people who get them are bobbies. that's the name of the award
1: oh okay right, like right, the being a Bobby's is a, not a good thing right right, <laughs> right
2: but if you get a Bobby award then you have the Bobby you okay. know. in this case it was little voodoo dolls oh cool yes Pocus Pantiera made 75 voodoo wow. dolls all different and wow. we had to uh, come up with 75 award winners wow
1: I mean that's a big that's a big project. See that's something that really
2: that's, no, that's the idea. No, this, this this woman who did those 75 things, she's got she just got a degree in theater, but she's working as a store clerk in a couple of gro you know grocery and a hotel, and yet she does all this great artwork. Yes. And she should be getting paid for that. But
1: so so this gets back to my question of motivation. Is like what do you think? Motivates people to do. That's a lot of creative activity. Just their seventy-five. That, that's it.
2: They that's their slack. Okay, you know, that's when the, they're working the on something that they wanted to do. Then okay. that's slack. Okay. I'm really lucky, because I'm sort of I, I've set up a situation where I can pay myself for what I was probably going to do anyway. <laughs> I actually spend a lot of my time doing grunt clerk work. You know, uh-huh. like ordering supplies. Right. Uh, or actually assembling the membership ordainment packs you know you'd think that we'd have Chinese <laughs> children <laughs> right, doing that, that out, right? <laughs> it's all done right there in Cleveland Heights I, uh, and I everything anybody orders I'm the one who like hand addresses the mm-hmm. thing but but I get to keep all the the profit, mm-hmm. such as yeah, it is, and sure. there is enough to get by on. Yeah, so.
1: yeah. well, I mean, if you can uh, do what you love for, for a living, then that's the main thing. Yeah, I
2: used to scramble to try to get writing gigs and write for magazines like Wired and stuff, Okay. but uh, <coughs> it, 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 they're hard to get, and even when you get them, they're not much fun. Right. You do this article, and then they edit it to death to the point where, well, anybody could have done this. Why are you even paying me? It's not right. Okay. You know? So... Uh, I, I really kind of let that part go now I've spent the last six months really a couple of years on and off working on something new which is a genius uh, movie screenplay and not for an art film but I mean a real Hollywood type really? movie the kind of thing that would require a budget because some of it takes place in the future and part of it's uh, period wow. 1990s uh-huh. and it's it's like a Slightly, somewhat based on real stuff, but then, I mean, Bob's in it. Halfway through the movie, Bob appears. And at <laughs> that point, it changes totally. <laughs> uh, we're still hacking. I've, I've actually written a, an entire, slightly too long script. Uh-huh. It's like 140 so pages. We're and it needs to be 120 or less. Okay. And uh, I suppose we may, we keep finding little ways to improve it my friend Onan really didn't like the ending. Uh. The ending involved Connie Dobbs. She's kind of like the rabbit you pull out of the hat at the end. People don't really tend to think about her that much, but it's legitimate to pull her out as, a, as kind of a punchline. Right, there's right. a mystery going on in the thing, and you find out Connie's behind it. My friend Onan decided what we ought to do. He just scratched out Connie's name every time it appeared. And this whole big scene where everything's revealed, he said cut to a title card that says real missing <laughs> and then <laughs> and then go back and suddenly <laughs> x day is happening <laughs> right. and everything and it's like uh, now mel brooks could get away with that <laughs> in the 70s and monty python could get away with that but it's been done right, we're right. not going to go for that gimmick come up with something new. He's going to have to put up with Connie.
1: So, well, this this would be a good couple, two questions to end with. In terms of writing, like you're writing and revising, do you have any thoughts about your own writing process, your experience with writing, composition?
2: Well, it's a a combination of, uh, occasionally I'll actually just get a wild hair and start whipping something out, but a lot of it's just assembled Mm -hmm. from the little one-liners and things. Okay. See, I was a business film editor for years. I'm a documentary editor. And every project that I've ever done in any medium, just about, starts with a paper. Oh, it's like we get together the best ideas on strips of paper, and then start arranging them physically on a big table as to what, you know, when, do, what do you want near the beginning? What do you want to end it with? What goes in the middle, and how can you make these this, these things, completely separate subjects, lead from one to another? So that's my expertise, is faking the transitions
1: uh-huh.
2: from one-liner one to the next. Right, right. Uh, in fact, that the first part of the rant I did the other night was exactly one of those. When I started putting this movie together, I thought, okay, if, if without the one-liners, those little self-contradictory statements, it's just another futuristic chase comedy. In fact, that was the critique the first time I tried to do a script like this. So I thought, it's got to have our one-liners just all through it as dialogue. So I took the three main books and all the pamphlets and stuff and literally started typing out every good one-liner. I had 50 pages of 10-point text, which is more dialogue than would fit in a movie, (laughs) and cut them into strips and then started going, okay, what? Well, first I said, let's get everything about Bob in one section, all the slack, all the conspiracy you know UFO stuff those uh-huh. are broad categories at, at that stage turned into the, the sub-G 101 that I read a little bit of the other night mm-hmm. that was the collection of one-liners that had been organized for subject matter then I went through it all and this really took a long time it's like this line does Bob have to say this? could it be said by some idiot? could, does FB, could it be said by a woman? Would it be different if it was said in anger or if it was said for fun? Okay. Or can it just be a toss-off in the background? You know, and started organizing them that way.
1: Oh, and, but you're actually literally laying things Yeah, the visually...
2: All my Yeah, for every Subgenius project, project somewhere in my basement is like a scroll that goes on for, <laughs> you know, like from really here to over there oh, wow. of scotch taped together strips of paper. Wow. And from those from that scroll I'd have that and I'd start typing it up as a you know, so if
1: anybody wants to create an archive, make sure they get <laughs> make sure those get archived.
2: Well, when when I started doing that subgenius history class, I, I scanned examples of that. Uh-huh. I found like the original pamphlet layouts, you wow. know, rough and wow. all that kind of stuff we still had around.
1: I remember, the. I think it was a video I bought at Starwood back in the early 90s. So that came a lot in the early 90s, and I've taken a break. But you had some claymation on it. And I, the one where you, it was something about... Um, Evolution or something, and you had these things
2: reproducing. Yeah, reproduction cycle.
1: Scronat is the word that sits in my mind. I have no
2: idea. Yeah, well, see, that was <laughs> done just before Subgenius. Really? Okay. And I had been I had been working up. Um, so I did an underground movie in college called Let's Visit the World of the Future, mm-hmm. which was very Arkham and Fireside Theater inspired. But uh, I had dreamed up my own little alien world and stuff like that, a uh, future chronology i was going to write a sci-fi novel or something but i graduated then i started reading science fiction and realized everything i thought of had been done to death right right and so i kind of put that away but i, I was still doing i'd always been interested in clay stop motion mm-hmm. that was what got me into the movies in the first place i was a harry hawson no.
1: right right right
2: so i i did that that was my last real claymation movie but it worked in a bunch of fake words and mm-hmm. things yeah, from yeah. the earlier Future movie. And then when it came time to do the first Subgenius pamphlets, it's like we already had the Exists and their arch enemies and mm-hmm. the supercomputer that would run everything. So the, we had names for all this stuff.
1: The gradual accumulation.
2: Yeah, yeah. So there was, it was like a certain point, there came a day when, and we, and we even made a short movie featuring J.R. Bob Dobbs. Called Bob's Lunch Hour. <laughs> uh, and we, we didn't know Bob was a guru of a cult yet. Maybe Philo did, but he hadn't told me. Okay. And if you look on YouTube, there's a, a silent version of Bob's Lunch Hour. We okay. shot the I first, it stars Philo.
1: Uh-huh.
2: It was shot in 1978
1: wow. and then wow. finished
2: in 2006. So Philo ages. 30 or 40 years in the course of it (laughs) but if you see it you'll see that it makes sense it was like I was so happy when I found the old reel I thought oh man why didn't we ever finish this and I went wait if we finish it now it'll be 10 times better and everybody will think we planned it that way (laughs) Um, but that had Philo playing a guy named Bob Dobbs and then one day Philo and Dr. X and I were sitting around bemoaning how where we are and we were, and how everything was unfair, and that we we knew about the pinks. They were all the assholes. And Philo said something about, "Well, we're not geniuses. We're just sub geniuses." And that afternoon, uh, I suddenly realized how, what to do with the experience I'd had as a fanzine editor, all that. F- failed sci-fi stuff I'd uh-huh. started to write. That character Jr. Bob Dobbs who, who was always appearing in old magazines yeah. with the pipe and the hammock and stuff. And it, it all just... Uh,
1: that was when Bob touched you on the road to Damascus.
2: <laughs> yeah, sort of. It was, uh, Philo was really the one who said look, we can use clip art for this thing. See, look, there's probably a perfect picture of Bob in here. And there was a moment when he goes, "Yeah." We both saw that. It was about this wow. big. And uh, I still have that original hidden wow. away. Interesting. But he has another one that's a virgin. It's from another the copy of the same clip art book, which was strictly Yellow Pages thing. You wouldn't find it outside the Yellow Pages. Didn't he worked for Yellow Pages then. Uh, okay. So the, Philo has an uncopied Dobbs head. It's wow, like wow! all Dobbs heads that we see today grew from the one in my basement. The, th- the one in Philo's basement still hasn't been <laughs> yeah.
1: used. You did press it between <laughs> glass or something.
2: Somewhere so. there's a photo of, of us, of him holding the unblemished really? wow. one, which that photo then, that was his first, de- <laughs> de- you know, the first copy it of was it. deflowered <laughs> right then. So is there really a tarot deck or was that? Yeah, there is. It hadn't ever been printed up in paper, but um, uh, this British you. artist named, who uh, goes by the name of Embajer, Imbjr, I-M-B-J-R, H- who's he's illustrated a lot of the stuff in the website, he just finally started doing it. And it was, a, it was a strictly a vanity project because um, people who are active in alt.slack at that time were turned into a card. He'd get a photograph of him, and then he'd mess with it, you know, um, turn it into a high contrast, more like a drawing, which uh-huh. is his expertise. And uh,
1: So that's something I could find online, then. Yeah. And I
2: definitely want to, yeah.
1: want to see that. Sure. Right.
2: Yeah. Huh. You would, Actually, you'd find it at embager.com. Okay. If you poke around in our art minds... Yeah, more yeah, I, g-
1: I can get so lost in one of the websites.
2: No what about
1: second life? Do you guys think about all these different? There's a bunch of sub
2: geniuses who do that. Are there? Okay. I don't. It's like I've got enough on my plate. <laughs> Your first life is plenty. Yeah. I stayed away from uh, Facebook mostly. Really? Yeah. Well, I got on MySpace just so I could see my niece's MySpace page. Well, next thing I knew, I had 1,500 friends <laughs> who expected me to read the messages they sent. Well, it's like. Suddenly, I've got my friends' radio shows I need to listen to, my radio show, my email, which is a lot, the various Subgenius forums, and MySpace. And and so when Facebook came along, I just went, No, 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 no. Somebody recently said, pointed out that I really needed to form a Subgenius Foundation business page, just because there were all these fake ones around. Mm -hmm. So I had to open an account under the the fake name Don Quixote <laughs> and then and, and, and I had to f- make one friend which was my friend uh, Nikki Deathchick Wild who was an, um, our, our actual employee in the 90s and she's she's one of those sub geniuses that has a life and can add and write and <laughs> do things in real life and so she uh, and she's more sociable online I guess with that Facebook stuff right, so right. She, she helps me handle that one page, but I don't have to get too personal there, you right, know, I like right. just post videos and announcements. Uh-huh. But I don't have to feel guilty for not looking at you know somebody's new vacation page. And I am interested, actually. I would love to have, if I had the time, if I was retired, I'd get on Facebook and stalk all the girls <laughs> right, of right. the Church of the Genius, you know. But I, I just don't have time for that. <laughs> Something to look forward to in retirement. Wow, wow. Well, and plus the half of them come to X Day, and uh, I get and they I get to see them naked when they in the baptism? <laughs> and the bob- I'm the bobtiss. I'm the main Bob-tizer. bob And it's, it's great. It's like I, it's, I keep my, I get in the pool, but I keep my glasses on. So that's the font, is the pool. I right? try to turn on my recording eyes. And, uh-huh. Because well, we, yeah, there's quite a few very cute sub-genius ladies. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Old and young.
1: Uh-huh, definitely.
2: And well, uh, I'm ha- not really, I'm not really stalking. I'm really, in real life, kind of a square.
1: Well, I don't, uh, yeah, it was just... I, uh, Seeing you with your wife, and it's just you do seem like a family man or something. which yeah. totally would not be expected with that.
2: I I actually live more like Bob looks. <laughs> I let what? Bob do all the slinging.
0: And I
2: stay out of that soap opera stuff as much as I can. I I did go through a uh, divorce in 1999, and and uh, ended up uh, my poor ex-wife just got tired of the hand-to-mouth stuff. Plus, she got religion. Oh wow! She became really. Kind of new age, and oh, she didn't interesting. Wanna, I'm uh. a bad person to live with if you believe in <laughs> angels. You right, know? right. <laughs> <laughs> really kind of depressing. <laughs> so um, we had raised two kids, and they were all grown up, and so we just called it, it quits. And right. I had, I had my eye on Princess We anyway, uh-huh. so I, boy, I started uh, courting her. Uh, yeah. feverishly, <laughs> Luckily, she'd just broken up with her boyfriend at that time. Huh. So we get along just great.
1: Um. What was that? Oh, <sighs> something about. Oh, um, would you define yourself as an atheist, an agnostic?
2: Uh? Oh, more of an agnostic because um, well, I, well, I don't know whose aquarium I'm swimming around in. <laughs> Maybe nobody. Right. So. Right. But the, my I, my hobby now is studying microscopic animals. They. Mostly don't seem to know about me.
1: Right. They don't Trish know there.
2: that I've stuck them in a concentration camp. <laughs> and uh, although every now and then I swear to God, you'll be looking through that microscope and some little one of the ones with eyes. Some of them don't have eyes. Just turn around and go like this. It's Just <laughs> the creepiest <laughs> feeling. It makes me kind of want to go like that. You know? Cause who's who's studying me? That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, my my back. Ground is is uh, secular humanist. Uh-huh. My father, it knows uh, so much about the Bible that he doesn't believe any of it, but he can right. quote a chapter and verse. Uh, yeah. and he's a, a real scholar of, of uh, the Bible. I studied all kinds of alternative and fringe religions when I was younger because I was a kind of a believer. There was times when, I like, I went to an uh, Indian medicine man ceremony that convinced me that. There was life after death because I heard okay. ghosts in this dark room. Well, later it sunk in. No, I heard the medicine man and his assistants creating an a environment where people could have faith that somebody was, you know, miserable wretches on the reservation felt like God was looking over them. So uh-huh. that's all power to them. Uh, but I personally got to the point where it, I found it easier to. Like, as far as supernatural stuff goes, could be. I seem to be somebody who can't see UFOs or ghosts. But I'm scared of ghosts, so that could explain that. Um, and, uh, and I've always just found, uh, to tell the truth, if, if I had my druthers right now, I'd be reading, I'd be re- relearning basic biology.
0: I'd be sitting in my wow. house
2: reading a biology book because I studied anthropology and cavemen and dinosaurs uh-huh. and large mammals but, and reptiles but that leaves out most of the animals in the world right, right. which live inside of all the other animals and so that's what my big kick now is Parasitology. <laughs> Parasitology. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I can see how it fits. Well, so
1: really, I mean, that's. I think that's so interesting. So few people would pick up in such an unusual interest, you know, and kind of just dive into it.
2: Well, when I was a, a I remember when I was a kid, I I got uh, a drop of water out of the gutter, and the first thing I saw was an amoeba dividing. I've been trying to relive that moment ever since. I've seen every other damn critter having sex,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: uh, <laughs> I, I still haven't caught an amoeba in the act yet.
1: Uh oh, there's a... I'll send you the link. There's an NPR story about how 90% of our cells are not human cells in our body.
2: Right. Yeah, I didn't even understand I don't, I don't that. Every... We're, we're, the, the mitochondria in all of our cells has its own DNA it's another thing you know <laughs> that, that that lives right. aboard and and allows ourselves to work the way they do I didn't really understand I, no, nobody understood any of that stuff until the last yeah. 30 years mm-hmm. or so and I missed all, a lot of that and so I've been uh, well I quit I, I, I quit doing risky behaviors and started Studying again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I could do school all over again, I would. Right, right. Yeah. Now it's getting interesting. Well, I'm not. Back then, all I could think about was pussy, right. which I wasn't <laughs> right, getting. Right, right, right. And right. that continued during my first marriage, unfortunately. <laughs> so, so now, now I don't have to worry about any of that. So I'm able to think about lofty things. <laughs> Large like, sections of the mind free. Um, yeah, I'm studying lofty things like the like. The flukes that live inside the antennae of snails <laughs> and Wow. and what makes rot smell so bad <laughs> that's great i found some new creatures at, at brushwood uh their their pond was very low and yeah, very stagnant smelled worse than ever and i went over and got a little sample and we went home just before we came here there was some nasty looking little thing i don't even know what it is wow. it looked like a tiny shrimp, but most of those are kind of transparent or clean looking, uh these were filthy looking little
1: things,
2: (laughs) I think maybe they, there have been times when I I was looking at like copepods, they're very common, you can almost see them with the naked eye, and normally they're kind of pretty, they have this shiny eye in the center, and they're kind of transparent, you can see their guts and everything. I started to find this one sample was full of copepods that had their own parasites. At first, I thought it was a new animal I'd never seen because they were covered with what looked like hair. But it wasn't hair, it was other little creatures that looked like like a stem, a rose on a stem that every now and then it twitches and sucks bacteria in. And these poor copepods were covered with them. I mean, even their antennae had things growing on them. It's horrible. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. really horrible. <laughs> Made you feel like you were yeah. with fleas or something. Wow. So when I'm not when I'm not bashing coots on alt.slack <laughs> or reading my my friend's funny stuff on the the nice subgenius news group, I'm I'm usually trying to find time to to study my little single celled and
1: strange organisms.
2: Yeah. I'd like uh, to see
1: some sketches of this. Oh, I have a
2: whole movie. If you would go to my YouTube site, I have three. Edited videos of my my first really movie. yeah they, totally I found some music that went good with it. <laughs> so they're just musical it's like cuts of creatures cut to music you know
1: great great what I want
2: to do is start narrating them.